Welcome to the Being Fearless Podcast. In this podcast, we work on facing our fears so we can live our best lives. There's always going to be that voice inside you telling you you can't. I'm here to tell you, yes, you can. I'm your host, Jackie Robbins. I'm a confidence coach, an ulcerative colitis warrior, dog mom, Star Wars nerd, and a fitness enthusiast with a cupcake problem. Okay to be scared, do it anyway. Hey, fearless friends, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Um, before we jump into the amazing interview I have for you today, I wanted to mention a couple of things. So I've been teasing you guys about a project I've been working on, and I'm going to spill the beans. And it's not because this project is done, but I need to put it out into the world so I don't give up. So you guys, um, a couple years ago, I felt a deep calling to really share my journey. And I do it a lot on the podcast, but I wanted to do it even more and decided that I wanted to write a book. I wanted to write a prescriptive memoir. And two years ago when I made this decision... I did start writing. I wasn't consistent doing it. And then there was a lot going on. I stopped writing and I would pick it back up here and there. And then when quarantine hit and we were all stuck at home, I thought to myself, this really feels like the perfect time to be writing my book. But I wasn't in a great headspace for it because when quarantine hit, I was at the tail end of pelvic floor therapy. I didn't really have a strong desire to do it. I was feeling a little defeated and a little bit down, so I didn't do it right away and, you know, took some pressure off of myself. And one of my writer friends, Tim, Tim, if you're listening, thank you so much for this advice. He had told me a while back that the key to being a successful writer is to not only read every day, but to write every day. So back at the end of July, I decided, okay, we're going to get this done. I am going to commit to writing every single day for 30 days. And you guys know that's how I like to structure myself is with quick challenges. And I just kept writing, got it all on paper, and my first draft is written. And I am so fucking proud. I actually have sent it out to a couple of different people that I trust to give me some critique and tell me what they think I could do better on, um, what they liked or disliked, and then I'm going to go from there, get myself an editor, and I'm going to self-publish on Amazon. And I have to be honest with you guys, sending this book to people to read made me want to vomit. You want to talk about being scared? You know, this is a a podcast about being fearless. I really needed to... (laughs) Just hit send and run away. Um, This is my baby. I have poured my heart and soul into this book. And it was really scary to send it off because what if they hate it? What if they tell me I suck? By the way, they won't because these are people that I respect, admire, and are close enough to that they would never come back and tell me I suck. So I needed to, you know, put that out of my mind. But it is never easy to put yourself out there to be criticized. So 
yeah, sometimes you have to do it. And whatever they tell me, I'm going to take and I'm going to learn from because that's what we need to do with constructive criticism. So just wanted to let you guys know that I wrote a book and I'm going to be talking about it. And that is one of the reasons I've been having so many people on in this, what I'm calling now a a chronic illness series, because I want to raise awareness and I wanted to do these interviews to really gauge if what I went through is what other people are going through. And a lot of times it is like, there's going to be common themes in my book and it's not just in my journey. It's in a lot of people's journeys. So this has been a really eye-opening experience and I'm really excited to bring you all these amazing interviews. Um, also, you guys know I'm going to shamelessly plug my latest fundraiser. Links in the bio if you're feeling compelled to help out the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Always appreciate it. What else did I want to tell you guys? Oh, yes. Next week, I will be doing an episode answering your questions. So if you have a question you want to ask me, and I do have a bunch already, hit me up on Insta at Being Fearless Jacks. And without further ado, let's get on with today's interview. Today's interviewer, um, today's interviewee, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't know. I'm losing my mind, guys, Um, is Laura Varnum. And Laura shares all about her Crohn's diagnosis. And she actually talks about what it's like to be pregnant with Crohn's disease, which is obviously something I can't speak to. And it was such an amazing interview. She gives some advice. We talk a little bit about fundraising. Laura is part of the Young Professionals Committee. She's been fundraising for the cause for years. So if you're someone out there that ever does any fundraising, you definitely want to check it out because she had some really cool insights on fundraising to get creative. And Laura also works for Rhode Island Hospital and is just trying to help other patients, you know, not feel alone, to advocate for them, you know, to help them out. And she's just such a beautiful person. We had a great conversation and I hope you guys like it. If you do, obviously, Share it on Facebook. Share it on Insta. Tell all your friends. Give a girl a little subscribe on the iTunes. Maybe a five-star review. All right. That's enough there. And you guys, Laura, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jackie. I'm so oh, I appreciate you doing this. I love having on fellow badasses, and <laughs> you definitely are one. Um, so, you guys, Laura and I met through the Team Challenge. Um, not formally. We've never met formally. We've only met online, but that's kind of how people do things these days, <laughs> is yep. they meet online. Um, and you have Crohn's disease, correct? Correct, yep. All right, perfect. So... Tell us a little bit about your journey. Tell us about what you've been through. Sure. So I feel like um, my Crohn's journey started way before I was actually diagnosed. Um, I like to say that it started in 2002 when I was 13 and my younger sister, Allison, was in third grade and she was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. Oh, wow. And um, 
my family had never heard of it before. So we kind of jumped right in into like figuring out, you know, learning about. So nobody else in the family had it. Like this was the first case. Oh, interesting. Because they assumed that I had colitis because my Nana did like, that was one of the quick assumptions because it is technically hereditary, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. always, you know, go, I don't know the words I'm looking for. Like my mom didn't have it. Like it skipped a generation, I guess. So that's interesting. There's some spotty, GI issues in like throughout both sides of my family and autoimmune diseases on my dad's side. I have aunts that have rheumatoid arthritis, but, um, my sister was the only, was the first one to be diagnosed with IBD. Um, so I was in eighth grade. I was like, you know, I'm her big sister and I was like, I want to help people like my sister. So I decided that I wanted to go to pharmacy school and be a pharmacist. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I was in pharmacy school. Flash, fast forward to my fourth year of pharmacy school out of six. And I had just finished my fall finals. And I um, I was very involved in school. Um, I was in a relationship. And, you know, I was juggling lots of things. Um, I guess I'll also note that it I had been having like constipation issues since I was about 18. And every time that I would like go to the doctor and say, I'm, I'm having problems. I'm like uncomfortable. They'd be like, Oh, you're constipated. Eat fiber. (laughs) And so I, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So then I'm, I'm 20. I was like, Oh, you know, uh, actually 21. And I said, Oh, you know what? I really want to lose some weight. And like everything that you Google says, eat fiber to lose weight. It keeps you full. So I went on this high fiber diet and I was in a high stress situation, made it through my finals week. And the following morning after my fall finals, I woke up to feeling like I was being stabbed in my lower abdomen. Oh. So um, my like ended up at the Brigham and Women's Hospital because I was in pharmacy school in Boston mm-hmm. and uh, they did a CT scan and I had a micro perforation with an abscess. Oh, wow. Yeah. But they didn't jump to any like Crohn's disease was always the top of their like diagnosis possibilities list, but they never could say it was Crohn's for sure. My abscess was blocking my, was like covering where my appendix was. So they're like, is it your appendix? Like, what is it? So, um, I was in the hospital for a short time, was able to be home for the holidays, went back to school in January, incredibly sick. I actually remember the first day of, um, that spring semester, my, uh, boyfriend was, Jeff was staying, um, over my apartment. And I remember waking up and I really didn't feel well, but I'm, I'm like, I have to push myself to go to my first day of classes. Yeah. And I, he walked me to school. Cause like my apartment was within walking distance of the, because I didn't trust myself to walk there and not pass out. Um, I didn't pass out, but, um, so I had a pretty rough few months juggling school and my other like extracurricular responsibilities and my relationship. So what did they do when they figured out like you had an abscess? Did they do something or was it just, I don't know. Like what do they do for that? They put me on Cipro and Flagyl. So two. Oh, I remember those. I've been on. (laughs) Yeah. So the Flagyl I ended up only being on for maybe 
two weeks because it made me so nauseous and like I it just, does yeah yeah so and my sister had been on it and she didn't seem it didn't really seem to bother her the same way it bothered me so I ended up on on flagell for months and then they also put me on um Entacort or the oral budesonide yeah um to try to help with the swelling so um and then in March of 2010 so I was like halfway through my spring semester my doctor, um, cause at that point I had gotten hooked up with a gastroenterologist and all that mm-hmm. jazz. Um, he's like, why don't we do a MRI to see how the inflammation is doing? Cause like I was still saying I was having symptoms and I was having some pretty rough days and, um, my MRI showed that my inflammation wasn't getting any better. Mm. My abscess had resolved, but the inflammation wasn't better. So, um, he ended up saying, you know, I think, I really think the best course of action for you would be to have surgery. Oh, yikes. Yeah. So on March 18th, 2010. <laughs> I, I know these dates, like you just, you don't forget dates like this, like surgery no. and stuff like that. Like they just stand in your head. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I had surgery and I had seven inches of my intestine removed, mostly um, terminal ileum and, but then I had like the ileocecal valve that goes to your colon in the very beginning of my colon taken out and my appendix, which was fine. You know what? The appendix doesn't, you don't need it. It's just there. Like I remember when they removed my colon, they're like, yeah, we're going to take the appendix too, because you know, it's attached to the colon. And I was like, well, what does it do? And they're like, well, nothing really. And I was like, so basically we just have something in our bodies that could erupt at any second. That's cool. Yeah. But I just think it's kind of, it was kind of ironic that like they never fully ruled out appendicitis. And then I had the surgery and they're like, yeah, your appendix was great. I'm like, (laughs) um so jeff and i celebrated our one-year dating anniversary in brigham women's hospital days after um my surgery uh and spoiler alert he's now my husband of six that's amazing i'm actually picturing you guys in the hospital on the clear liquid diet celebrating with jello (laughs) <laughs> Which, yeah, I, I hate I, jello but like that's where my head just went yeah yeah no it was it was uh oh so romantic um <laughs> but yeah so i mean jeff was just he was with me through everything with the- that's amazing so he was with you right from the beginning like the diagnosis walking you what that's amazing i love that yeah yeah i i there was one point i remember like when I was really sick for those few months when they didn't know I didn't have the official diagnosis, I was having a really rough night and I, I actually tried breaking up with him. Um, I, I said to him, I'm like, you don't deserve to be with someone who's going to be sick all the time. Um, and, but he's like, I'm not going anywhere. So, and he has, that's, you know what? Good for you, Jeff. (laughs) You know what? I've never said that to anybody, but there have been certain people that I've dated over the years. Like I remember I was 13 years old. I got dumped in the hospital and I remember thinking something similar to what you did. I remember thinking like, Oh, um, 
I guess like when you have a chronic illness and you're sick all the time that nobody's going to love you, that I wasn't worthy of love. And that's sort of a story that I, you know, clung to for a little while. And then my last serious boyfriend, when things started to get like a little rough and I wasn't feeling well and I was going through things, he wasn't the long haul person. Mm -hmm. And I was like, And I started playing that story again and I was like, no, this isn't a thing. Like your person is going to be your person no matter what. So good for him for being like, no, I do not accept this breakup. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I was and I think he also realized that I was just really not, not having a good day. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, so we, um, yeah, we've been together for over 11 years and we've been, we got married in 2014. Oh, nice. And you have a son. And we have a son, Cameron. Yep. Yes. How old's Cameron? Oh, boy. Yeah. It's a, he's, it's quite a fun age. (laughs) Um, um, but yeah, so I, I had a, what was considered a high risk pregnancy because of my hormones. And I, at at the time I was on, um, azathioprine. So they started me on azathioprine the January after my surgery. They kind of like gave me a break for meds and stuff. And then they wanted to put me on something. Um, and so I was on that for a long time and I was on it throughout my pregnancy and everything went fairly well. Nothing like Crohn's wise. I was great. Um, yeah. but I did end up developing uh, severe preeclampsia at 35 weeks. So Cam, I had an emergency C-section. Oh no. And okay. Cam was five weeks early, but, um, but obviously he never, he's doing great. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, you would never know it now. He is in like the 92nd percentile for height. He's three oh, feet that's tall. Awesome. He's like skinny and tall, like his dad. And, <laughs> uh, face looks like me, but he has the body type of his father. Oh um, yeah. So yeah, he's, he's fantastic. Um, I've actually heard, and I do not know if this is actually true, but I've had multiple people say this to me, but people have told me with, when they have Crohn's or colitis, that when they get pregnant, like everything just sort of like stops and they, you won't have a flare for like nine months. I remember someone telling me this, I think I was in my twenties and I looked at them and I was like, so in order to not be sick, I should get pregnant. Like, what? And I'm not sure if that's like an urban myth, but multiple people I know have been like, oh, my disease just stayed in remission for nine months while I was pregnant. And I was like, that that's weird, I guess. Yeah. So they say, because like I had to go for like counseling and stuff before we tried to get pregnant with him. So you and, essentially um, had to ask permission. Like you went to your doctor and was like, is this okay? Yeah. I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. So they, they want you to be in remission. It's okay for the mom to be healthy when you get pregnant because then you are more inclined to then stay healthy throughout the pregnancy. Yeah. But if you're in a flare up and you are sick, when you get pregnant, you're also more likely to then stay sick throughout the entire pregnancy. Oh no. Okay. Um, they say like, it's like a third of women get better while pregnant. A third of women get worse and then a okay. third kind of stay the same. So I would say I, I stayed the same. Um, yeah. I certainly wasn't worse, but I wouldn't say I was like, any better. But at that point too, I was already, I had been in remission. Yeah. Um, thank God. So, uh, you know, it was just more of the, like, he was on the, even though he was five weeks early, he was always measuring smaller, yeah. um, 
women with Crohn's do are at an increased chance of having um, low birth weight babies. Okay. So they were like monitoring um, his growth a lot in the third trimester. But like I said, he, he caught right up and you would never know that, you know, he spent the first month in preemie clothes and weighed four pounds, 14 ounces. Oh my God. I would have thought I'd break him. (laughs) Oh, that's, you know what? That's great. I don't know a lot about, um, pregnancy with Crohn's or colitis. That was never anything that I felt like was in my cards. The only thing I ever knew was that, you know, people say that, you know, you can stay in remission longer. And I was like, well, that felt really strange to me, but I wonder what happens if, you know, it's a, Oh, we're pregnant. And like, we're in a flare. Like, I don't know the odds of, you know, how that goes. That must be like traumatic. Yeah. I, I don't know of anyone. I don't either. I mean, I, I can, first of all, being in a flare sucks the ever loving life out of you. Like you are just, I mean, it literally is sucking the life out of you because you're shitting your brains out and it's like your life force is just going into the toilet. So I can't imagine trying to like nourish and hold like another human in your body. Like that's just so much. I mean, you know, like you get into a flare and getting out of bed is like the most difficult task on the face of the planet. Yeah. I, um, I was just recently, uh, they did some blood work and I'm iron deficient and just like the anemia is just insane. Like I would struggle to get out of bed. And then, you know, on days when I'm home and, you know, like on Fridays when I'm home with cam, it's like, you know, it'd be only a few hours after I'd be up and I'd be like, I'm ready for a nap. And you're just Um, like, come on, buddy, let's take a nap together. (laughs) Let's snuggle and watch Finding Nemo, currently his favorite. Oh, that's a great movie. I haven't seen that in years, but I loved it when it came out. Yeah, Finding Nemo and Finding Dory are just on repeat on Disney Plus for us right now. (laughs) uh, That was the theme of his second birthday, too. Oh, my God, that's so cute. Yeah, I remember being a kid. I still do this. Like, I like to watch things over and over again. I do it more with music than, like, shows. But I remember when I was a kid, uh, it it was um, during the time of Strawberry Shortcake and Rainbow Mm -hmm. Bright. I'm not sure how old you are, if I'm, like, dating myself. But every Okay, so, like, Strawberry Shortcake was, like, my girl, and we'd play one, and my Nana specifically remembered, she's, like, every time it ended, you would look at me and be, like, play it again, Nana, like, the same episode over and over, and I'm, like, oh, it's so hilarious. I tried to get my niece into it when she was younger. She wasn't having Strawberry Shortcake, but she did really like Rainbow Bright. And nice. she used to just tell random people. She just, she was probably like two, maybe three, but she'd walk up to people and she'd be like, Murky and Lurky are bad guys. And she just wanted everybody to know that they were <laughs> bad guys. And people were like, who is Murky and Lurky? And my dad used to tease her. He'd be like, no, Murky and Lurky aren't bad guys. They're just very misunderstood. And she would (laughs) sit there for a second and be like, I don't really know what that means, but maybe they're not bad guys. But every time we watched it, she'd be like, they're bad guys, right? Oh. What would you consider the hardest part of your journey? Because we all have, you know, those 
like really difficult moments. What was that moment for you that you feel like, you know, was it getting the diagnosis? What would you say was your hardest part? Yeah, the 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 beginning, the those three months going through like getting um, the testing or the diagnosis. Um, yeah, the diagnosis. I okay. mean, I like getting to the point where they were like after surgery, it was like a few weeks later and my doctor called me and I was recovering at my parents' house and you know, he's like, Yep, it's it's Crohn's. And it wasn't that like hearing those words were hard because I kind of expected that to be the answer. Um, and I was familiar with everything that my sister had gone through with her ulcerative colitis. Um, but when I think about, so like I ended up missing half of my spring semester and it, and the fourth year of pharmacy school is academically the most difficult year. And so I ended up leaving, I like was left right after spring break. And, um, fortunately, because I was really involved in school, um, I had gotten connected with counseling services at, um, my college and academic support services. So I had support and help throughout, like while I was going to class and was sick. So when I called them, uh, right after spring break to say that I was having surgery, they talked to all my professors and I was able to, instead of having to stay back an entire year in school, I was able to make up the missed exams in the summer. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. good. So, so you, you have a degree in pharmaceutical, is that correct? You, you Yeah, I'm a doctor of pharmacy. Oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah. And what does that look like right now while we're all staying at home? Do you work from home? Like what, what is your job? No, I am a, um, clinical pharmacist at Rhode Island Hospital in Providence, Rhode Island. Wow, I've been there. <laughs> that's actually, that's the hospital I now go to where my team of doctors is. Oh, nice. Yes. Um, yep. So I um, I split my time between uh, the inpatient pharmacy and uh, I'm actually the pharmacist in two outpatient gastroenterology clinics. Um, and I work primarily with inflammatory bowel disease patients and I do teaching and immunizations and oh my god that's amazing yeah um when i i've worked for the hospital for three years now and i when i like i met a pharmacist that was um at one of my clinics prior to when i started and uh when i found out she was doing this i was like how do i get your job Uh, (laughs) i'm coming for you (laughs) yeah well fortunately the stars aligned and she decided that she wanted to go to medical school. And so she was leaving. And so I went to my manager at the time and I was like, I want her spot. I'm also a patient. I am the best person to be there. Yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. Yeah. So rest is history. I, you know, I, I was, I trained with her before she left for medical school and I've um, been there. Um, I've been in that clinic for two and a half years and then I started another one um, with Brown Medicine in um, la- like last summer, and it's it's great. And I love when I get to like well, not love because I don't want young. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, I see but, what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I get to, I open up to them sometimes because like especially if they're like newly diagnosed, and yeah. I'll say, you know, I've been in your shoes, and you can just tell like you can see a change 
in well yeah because normally when somebody like you specifically is talking to like a patient the whole time we're just thinking in the back of our heads you don't know what I'm freaking going through like you have no idea so even by saying that you're opening up so much more trust Nobody ever said that to me when I was growing up because they hadn't. But if they had, I would have been like, oh, this is great. You get me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't walk into every patient's room that I meet for the first time going, hi, I'm Laura, the pharmacist. I also have Crohn's disease. Yeah. When it's appropriate, though, you can pull that out of your pocket. Yes. Yeah. And it and it and it's been an amazing um, asset. And, you know, I feel like, you know, my 13 year old self when you know, I said, I want to help people like my sister. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm get to do two days a week. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, it can be become a bigger part of my, my job, but for now it's kind of a half and half, which is fine. That is absolutely amazing. Cause I got to tell you, first of all, to declare what you want to do at 13 and actually go out and do it is a big deal because I just remember being a senior in high school and everybody being like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, I don't know. It was either, I don't know, I'm getting ready to have surgery or it was, I'd like to be the next Julia Roberts. And I'm not really sure how that's going to happen. But like a lot of times when we're growing up, like we just (laughs) don't know what to do. So it's amazing that you took, you know, a not so amazing set of circumstances and did something so great with it. I do want to know how is your sister's name is Allison? Yeah. How is she doing? Is she feeling okay? She is. Yeah. She, um, so yeah, she was diagnosed in third grade and throughout like middle and high school, she would have a flare up every couple of years. Um, she, her like, but I would actually say her last her last one was when she graduated high school slash started college. Okay. So that yeah. was how long ago? So that she graduated in 2011. Oh my so, God. That is an amazing stretch. I'm yeah. like giving her yeah. the clapping right now. That's amazing. Good for her. Yeah. So she's, she's doing great. She's a sixth grade math teacher, um, teaching virtually now for, uh, Oh God bless her. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, she's engaged and she's going to be getting married in a couple of years. And we're, uh, you know, we always say we call each other our, you know, we're each other's person. Like that's amazing. I love that you guys have each other because, Um, so I was also diagnosed in third grade. I probably didn't take it as well as she did. Um, I was a pretty angry kid, but I didn't have anybody and it was back in like the late eighties. So there was no real awareness. There was nobody that I could talk to. And I remember it wasn't until I was like in my twenties and I figured out that there was a Crohn's and colitis foundation. Mm -hmm. And I did my first walk where I was just like, I'd never met anybody that, had ulcerative colitis besides my Nana, but she only had colitis and it was very, very mild. Like, I don't think I ever saw her in a flare. However, she would never cheat on her diet almost ever. Like, you know, those people that are so diligent, I was not that person ever. I think it is very hard, especially back then where, you know, your food choices were a little bit different. Like now you have all the food choices you can for any allergy, but I was always in awe of the fact that she had so much self-discipline. And now I look at it and I'm like, well, this is how you stay in remission. Yeah. <laughs> you don't eat like the bad stuff, but I didn't meet anybody until years later. So it is 
really amazing that you had her. Um, and not only are you, you know, working in the pharmaceutical, you know, um, you're doing all these amazing things. You joined Team Challenge to yep. fundraise for the cause. How did you, um, how did you learn about it? So, um, I had, I needed motivation to get back into exercising. I had dieted and exercised and lost weight for when I got married. Um, and I was like, I need, I need to get back to something. And I, I liked that when I was doing it for my wedding, like I pictured my wedding dress when I was tired. Yeah, You had like an end game in sight. Right. So I, I don't know if it was like, a Facebook ad or I, I don't exactly remember at what point I like, at what point I heard the name team challenge, but, um, I remember thinking to myself, well, if there was any reason why I was going to go 13.1 miles, it would be for for this. Right. Yeah. For something that means so much to me. Yeah. Um, and I like, if you ask anybody in my family, I was like considered one of the least athletic family members when I was growing up. So they're always like, you know, you are the last person we would expect to become a runner and go So you weren't run. a runner before, right? You no, just no. were like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do this. Yeah. And I mean, I, we, um, I belong to the, the Y here in, in Foxborough and I had started kind of like going on the treadmill and like jogging a little bit. And yeah. I kind of had this pipe dream. And then I, you know, I looked at, at Jeff and I said, you know what, I want to fundraise and I want to run my first half marathon. And, um, so I ran, um, with Jordan, your past guest. Yeah. Uh, Oh, so you did New Orleans. Yep. I did New Orleans twice in 2016 and 2017. Nice. Yep. So once I, I, I then joke with people that team challenge was my gateway drug to running. Yeah. Um, so I like after doing my that first race with them, I then ran like two other half marathons on my own, did team challenge again. Damn girl. Yeah. And then then ran a full marathon after my second. With wow. Yeah. I oh, ran my God. See, I have zero desire to do that. Like I like part of me wants to do the Boston Marathon someday. But yeah. really, there's more of a part of me that's just like, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. And it's not because I can't. I just really have no desire to do it. Like, what made you be like, I'm going to do the Providence Marathon this year? Was that random too? Um, I actually was sitting in the hotel bar after the night after of running the second half in um, New Orleans with one of my coaches. And she's like, um, now you should run a full marathon. I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. Like I've exhausted just after doing the third. Right, I'm exhausted like, thinking about walking right now. Thanks. <laughs> and, um, she's like, no, you can do it. I'll, I'll train you. You'll be, you'll be fine. And I was like, okay, sure. So <laughs> I had been, yeah, I had been drinking and I <laughs> thought it was Cheers, a great we're idea. A marathon. Oh my God. That's amazing. What yeah, year did you do that? A, um, what was that? What year did you do it? Uh, 2017. Okay. So a couple of years ago. Oh my God. That is, that's intense girl. Like for somebody who just sort of did this on a whim and was like, this is what I'm going to do. Like that is intense. Like kudos to you. That's running is hard. I mm-hmm. say it to people all the time. I'm never going to mince words with this. Like I've become, 
you know, a fan of running. I see the benefits. I do enjoy doing it, but there are days where I'm like, I don't really want to run and I get out there anyway. And I always feel great doing it, but I will never tell people that running is easy. Like you get out there and I'm sorry, that first half mile just plain sucks every time. It doesn't matter like the weather, what you're wearing, if you've stretched, if you've done everything right, that first half mile, I'm always like, why am I doing this? (laughs) And then I'm okay. But after the first half mile, I'm like, all right, this isn't so bad. (laughs) I'm, I'm definitely a, a a run walker. I am not, I'm not fast by any stretch of the imagination. And like, I even like to tell people, like, I, I'm like, I don't even, I feel like guilty even saying that I ran a full Stop it. Don't you dare feel guilty. No, (laughs) you are girl. Even if you're doing run lap, here's the thing. You are smoking everybody who's not doing anything at all. And just thinking in their head, Oh, I'd love to even run a 5k because so many people out there are like, Oh, I'd love to try that. You know, someday maybe I'll do that. And you got up and you were like, someday's going to be today. So it doesn't matter. And I always tell people this too. It doesn't matter how fast you are. That was the first piece of advice I got from one of my runner friends. Cause Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh my God, I'm like at an 11 minute mile. And he was like, stop focusing on the time. Just get out there and do it. If you have to run, if you have to walk. I know when I did my first half marathon, it was a run-walk situation. It took me two and a half hours. And then this past May, I decided to do a virtual half marathon. It was only my second one because I've only done two. Mm -hmm. And I ended up shaving 30 minutes off of the time just because I'd had another year under my belt of sort of consistent running. I'm not going to lie. When I finished that half marathon, I wasn't sure if I was ever going to run again. The fact that you were like, let's run a full marathon. I ended my half marathon and was like, fuck this noise. Like, I'm not doing that. I may never run again. And I think it took me like two months to even get out there and do that. <laughs> so like kudos to you. But I think team challenge is awesome for a couple of different reasons. Like you get to meet, you know, you know, like we met through team challenge. I met so many amazing people and we just sort of quote unquote, get each other. Like you can say Mm -hmm. anything and you just like, you know, find your tribe. And I think it's a great way with, and it sucks right now because we can't be doing these events, but it's a great way to like fundraise for the cause. Um, just out of curiosity, did you do any specific fundraising or were you just out there being like, who just wants to help me? Like, did you do any events or anything or did you just ask random people to donate? Um, so I did a lot of, um, dining for dollar events at the, Oh, cool. Yes. Okay. And, um, it, not that that really made me a whole lot of money, but I would do raffles, during like in the lobby, like yeah, and I would sit out there and um, we'd like sell raffle tickets and people would you know buy for items tickets. or like yeah. 50 fifty items no, for for items. I generally just like put the baskets together myself. Okay, and, um, because both um, the New Orleans race was in. Uh, like end of January, beginning of February was like in the winter time up here in New England. Um, there was like, it was Patriot season and we're in Foxborough. And yep. so like I would buy, like I did like a, you know, Patriots basket or like a kid's basket. Like I would just make different things and, and we would raffle them off and people would come back and pick them up from the restaurant. Oh, that's um, awesome. And I, yeah. And I also probably like my easiest and 
um, most successful part of my fundraising was Super Bowl squares. Oh, I might need to use that. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So, so how did you do that? Cause so I know that Jack becomes about like this. a 50, 50. So okay. you, um, I did $10 a square and half went to me and the other half went into like the whoever won the yeah like and you rebroke it my husband helped me break down like how yeah I would need like my dad to sit down with me and be like this is how it works I've only ever done squares once and I won oh wow like two hundred dollars and I didn't eat, uh, first of all, I wasn't even watching. How bad is that? And I remember getting, cause I did it with like my dad's job or something. And my mom calls me after like the second quarter. Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> so, I am so sports challenged you guys. Like I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna hide this. I know like Jack, nothing, but I remember my mom calling me, I guess it was halftime at that point. And yeah. she's like, Hey, uh, so you're winning. And I was like, Really? What am I getting? Like five dollars? She's like, actually, it's a hundred and fifty. And I was like, uh, whatever year it was, I forget. It was when like there was like two teams that were in the Super Bowl like a couple years in a row. In mm. my head, it's like the 49ers and the Broncos, but I'm 90% sure I'm wrong there because again, I wasn't paying attention. But right. I remember it being like the same score for a long enough time that that's why I made the 200, but like I have, I have no street cred when it comes to football. (laughs) But that's the great thing about squares is that, yes, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's like totally random, you know? Um, and so off of that, like one sheet of paper, because it's like a 10 by 10 square, if you do the 50, 50 and you like, you make $500 off of, a piece of paper. Um, so I did that both years. Um, and then it was a lot of like, you know, emails and Facebook posts and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Um, I've also not for team challenge, but for the Crohn's and Clyde's foundation, I did a, um, a savers fundraiser. Okay. Collect clothes. Um, and you, you did that with your local savers. Yep. Okay. Yeah, you like set it up with the, the with the store, and um, you like give a time when you're gonna like drop it off, and they weigh like you take everything out. Oh, so you take everybody's stuff, like you yeah. collect the stuff first, and then bring it over. So if somebody yeah. wants to participate, they would um, bring you all their clothes, and then you would go and get like a one flat yeah. donation. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. It's all by weight. Yeah. Actually I did it for, um, so through team challenge, I found out about the young professionals committee, um, for the new England chapter. And, um, I joined that in 2016, uh, right after I had done new Orleans. And so I've been a part of that for five years now. So I did that last year for our, um, the event that we hold every summer, uh, a night in white. Yep. And, um, so it's in this year, it was a virtual version, a night in, um, and, but yeah, so I did the savers fundraiser last year for that. And I think I made, I want to say it was around like $250. Anything is helpful. Honestly, like I'm not even going to lie. I'm writing these down right now because I feel like I'm always fundraising at one point, like right before this, um, right before we start talking, you know, I'm going to plug my latest fundraiser because we're doing the, um, 
spin house party event in December. So like, I feel like I'm always fundraising and it's always nice to just get like different ideas from different people because it, it can be exhausting to just post the link and hope that somebody on Facebook is feeling generous that day. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know, so I, I, there's nothing, there's no better feeling than getting the email and yeah. Oh my God. Somebody made a donation on your behalf. Like that's great. I will tell you, um, for your next fundraiser, I'll tell you something that really helped me out this year. Yeah. Back in April, it was right after everything shut down. I did, I posted on Facebook and I blasted this out. I was like, screaming about it from the rooftops on like my Instagram stories and stuff like that. But what I did was I declared that for every mile I ran in April, I was going to donate a dollar to the foundation who wants to match me. And then I told them the goal was 50 miles because I didn't want people to think that I could run like 200 miles and that they were going to, like, I wanted it to be a goal where people wouldn't be like, Oh God, I can't like, that's too much. So I made the goal of um, 50 and I got 10 people to do it with me and I ended up running 55 miles. So that was like kind of a fun one. I mean, it's still people just donating money, but it it seems a little bit cooler when they're like, huh, how far can she take this? Like, is she going to, you know, where is she going to go? But that was one of, um, that was my big fundraiser this year because we couldn't really do a lot of you know, we couldn't be going to restaurants. We couldn't be doing exercise classes or anything like that, which is what I've done in the past. So this was a year to get creative. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, I did a, um, I've done exercise classes yeah. for a few fundraisers, which is always fun if you can do it in person. But yeah, now it's... Yeah, like I'm a Zumba instructor and I considered doing a virtual class and my heart wasn't in it for that at the moment because I was just like, I just, I don't know, I I feel like I need the energy of everybody being there and I just ended up not doing it. But that one fundraiser that I did, and then of course I would um, reach out to, you know, local businesses, but even doing that right now, I felt a little bad about doing that because... It's not like I'm, you know, reaching out to like stop and shop in Michael's. Like these are like the mom and pop places I go all the time. And I'm like, Hey, I know times are tough, but do you want to help the foundation? So someday we can find a cure. (laughs) You know? know. Yeah. I I struggled with that with right in this year because it's like, I I was the corporate sponsorship lead and I was like, I felt guilty like reaching out to these companies and asking for stuff when I knew, yeah. that, you know, they were, they were hurting. And I mean, it ended up, we ended up with a very, very successful yeah. night and it was more than we hoped for. It was fantastic, but, um, and it was fun getting to, to film the different pieces and, and That's be a cool. part of it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it was hard. It was really hard this year. Yeah, but, no, but I agree. Fundraising has been really challenging this year. And, you know, the spin for event is like a lower goal. I'm not going to tell you guys what it is because I don't want you to think I hit it and then stop helping. Um, (laughs) But like, you know, I remember when I was doing um, the team challenge and they told me the goal, like, to me, that was like unattainable. And I was joking with, um, I don't know if you know, Coach Mark, but I was like, Coach Mark, the running isn't the problem. The problem is, how am I going to raise some money? And that's what it boiled down to when you were doing it. It was like, I knew my body would get me through 
whatever run I needed to do. But what I was nervous about was, can I hit this fundraising goal? And I mean, I want to do my part. So you just got to keep, you know, being creative, keep getting out there and hope that no matter what's going on in the world, there are still going to be people that are going to open their pocketbooks, I guess. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No. And and then there are, and yeah. And I feel like every time I, I do a fundraiser and, um, you know, I end up getting donations from people that like I wouldn't have expected. Yeah. Same. It always surprises Makes me all warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's one of those amazing things, especially when you like hit your goal and you exceed it, you just feel so good because you're like, I'm helping. Like, mm-hmm. I know that most of the money being donated is going to the cure because there are some fundraisers I'm not going to name them because I have no idea, but like there are some where it's like you're donating a dollar to a cause, like in the grocery store or whatever. And they're only actually getting like 50 cents of it. And that's not the case, you know, with us. So I, you know, I always feel amazing. Um, So yeah, you are doing great things, my friend. You are doing great things. Um, I have two more questions for you. I know we're on a time crunch because I don't want Cameron to all of a sudden start waking up from his nap and being like, Hey, yeah, I, I did check the monitor. We're, we're good. Are we good? Okay, perfect. All right. So, um, I was curious as to what kind of advice would you give someone who just got their diagnosis? I would say to not let it stop you from achieving your dreams. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Um, No, that's like, that's the perfect answer. Yeah. Did you, you did not do that. At all. Like you, I mean, you knew your dreams, you went for it, you pushed through. Um, I know, well, again, I was little, I was eight. And I think part of me, I did very much want to be an actress. I'm not going to lie about that. Mm -hmm. But I've realized that I always said that it was because of ulcerative colitis that I didn't. But really, it was one of those, like, you didn't want it bad enough things. And I think that's a hard realization for people when they're like, oh, wait, like, I didn't actually want that. Um, Because what I actually realized was it wasn't being an actress. It was being a public speaker. Like, I wanted to be a public speaker. Like, I wanted to do this. Like, what I'm doing right now this is what I wanted to do. I didn't want to um, get up and play a character. I wanted to be me. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted funny. someone to pay me to be me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're still working on that, but that's okay. <laughs> it's a, it's um, an evolving process. Exactly. Exactly. But I actually think that's probably the best advice in the world. And the next time somebody asks me, I'm probably going to steal that and give you credit. <laughs> I love it. Pass it off to you. I love Love it. Um, and then what I always ask my guests before we sign off on a podcast, because, you know, this is a podcast about being fearless. Mm-hmm. What would you say your most fearless act in your life has been? And this doesn't have to be chronic illness related. Like, well, what do you think the most fearless thing you've ever done is? Um, giving birth to my son. Yeah. Um, so I, he was born at 35 weeks in a day. Um, because I developed severe preeclampsia and, um, I remember them telling me like it was three o'clock in the morning. I had had to call Jeff back to come back to the Brigham because he had gone home because I had been at the hospital like the whole day before. And, um, I like he got there and they told me that 
my, they had done some blood work and my liver function had doubled and they're like, you, we need to camp, like we need to deliver, you need to go have your C-section. And I was like, okay. And you know, it wasn't, there wasn't really a a choice. I had to trust them. It was, this is what's happening. We're doing it. And I, but I was so scared. I have never been so scared and sure. And, you know, I was worried about him and, you know, Cameron. And um, I remember one of the nurses looking at me who was absolutely fantastic. And she's like, have you decided on his name? And oh, I, so you knew it was a boy. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. We found out okay. in the, you know, at the beginning of my pregnancy that we were having. Okay. A and so we had decided on, on Cameron Paul. And um, so I told the nurse that and I just... I lost it. Like I just bawled and, um, and then, but you know, to then walk myself into the operating room and sit on the table and while they were getting everything ready. And I just had, I I mean, once I knew that that was what needed to be done, I just, yeah, took all of the fear and stress and everything and just said, mama mode. Oh yeah. Yo oh, yeah. Mama, mama bear mode. It was my yeah, first mama, mama mode. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then at the end you got to hold your beautiful baby boy. I did. Yeah. Oh my God. That's beautiful. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Like you have, you have made yourself such a beautiful life. I'm so glad that you didn't let a thing like Crohn's disease stop you from going after all of the things that you want. And you are doing so much for the foundation and not that I speak for them, but thank you. (laughs) You know, like, you know, like big thank you for everybody out there who are, you know, doing their part because, um, you know, there are people that, you know, get their diagnosis and they don't want any part of it and that's okay. You know, but for those of us who are like, I'm going to scream from the rooftops all about this so that we can do something about it. You know, you guys are the real MVPs. So thank you so much for coming on here, sharing your story. Uh, Please send my love to Allison. I love that she's been in remission for so long. That's amazing. Um, But yes, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was an awesome experience and it was great getting to talk to you. Oh, good. Um, You guys, you know that there's a link in my bio if you want to donate, and I think you should. So go ahead and do that. Um, And also, you know our motto here, be scared. Do it anyway.